Hey everyone, listen. You're probably wondering why it's taken me so long to put out the rest of my origin story. Well, opening up to others is extremely difficult for me. I thought it'd be a lot easier in an audio format since nobody's actually watching or listening to me record. But the closer we get to present day, the more insecure I become because the lies I've told in the past two to three years, which we're about to cover, are all still kind of fresh in my mind. It was easier to put out the earlier episodes because it had happened so long ago that I felt so removed from it all. But as you've noticed, we've kicked off the year with our first few interviews, and I'm really pumped that people have received it well and got many more coming your way and in the works. Regarding in between, I came to a humbling realization over the holidays. You'll have to excuse me, I'm recovering from a sinus infection. So that realization is I really don't have much to say about a lot of things. After I put out the power of guilt, I sat back and looked at the schedule, which was completely empty. But instead of stressing and you know rushing to create content, I was honest with myself and saying, Marco, you've talked enough about business and life. You see, the reason for in between was that a lot of my mentees and entrepreneurs in general had the same complaints and were generally unhappy. That's all. The series was basically for people who complain. And it turns out there comes a point where you run out of things to talk about if you're being authentic and talking solely about what you believe in. Especially for me, I'm just, I'm such a basic dude when it comes down to it. And many things to me are very black and white, which really limits what I can upload. I thought of reiterating episodes I've already done, like Gratitude and One Life, but I really wanted to put my energy towards other things that would make more of an impact to the listeners. Now, in my mind, In Between did exactly what I wanted it to do. It's the answer to people's complaints. So the series will definitely be slowing down for the foreseeable future, as you've noticed, but that doesn't mean that I won't be putting out episodes. Every now and then, someone will say something to me or have a conversation with me or complain about something, and I will feel the need to put something out there, to put my response out there, because I know that more people than this person need to hear it. All I wanted was for my thoughts and feelings around what I believe in to be out there for the world to listen to. Now that that's done, I want to look to the future. Last thing I want to clear up before we start, and that's the purpose of origin. I've had some people ask me, when are you going to get to me, man? And my answer is, if I've lied to you in a major way, and if it makes sense to include you, I'll get to you. The reason why I spent so much time talking about Calvin is because I lied to the dude for a decade. For a number of years, our friendship centered around a bunch of lies. And that's the purpose of this series, to own my truth and help others own theirs. What the purpose isn't of origin is to go through a full retelling of my entire life and include every person I've ever come in contact with, every friend I've had, 
my current inner circle, no. I mean, yeah, we can talk about the times I messed around on Tinder or how I've wronged a lot of people in my life, but that's really not what I'm doing here. These are my truths. The ones I've had a hard time admitting to myself and those closest to me. The reason why I felt the need to clear this up is because a lot of time has passed since part five, and some people might be new to the series. So to get back on track here, we ended part five with me being put on temporary program withdrawal. And that's where we're, that is where we're going to pick back up. And with that said, let's get to part six of my origin story. Dear Mr. Atanasium, we regret to inform you that as a result of your third academic probation, your academic status has been put on temporary program withdrawal. As a result, you will not be allowed to enroll in any courses at Ryerson University until one full academic year has elapsed. Closer to the end of the year, you'll have the chance to enroll in Ryerson's Fresh Start program to gain readmission into your program. Those are the first two paragraphs from the email I received which told me about my new TPW status. My parents were the first people I told. They took it well initially, but I can only imagine the late night talks they had about it. How stressed they must have been. Worrying about what the future held for me. I was trying to see the positive side to it, having not fully grasped the situation yet. I told my parents that I wanted to transfer programs into philosophy or history, which were my passions. I started doing research and trying to figure things out, like how many credits I would need to transfer and how long it would take me to graduate. All my friends who I spoke to about my new plan said that I should just finish my business management degree. One friend in particular stood out. He was the last person, well, the last friend that I talked to about this. His name's Eric. You might have heard me mention him in previous parts. The more of my friends I talked to, the more they began to change my mind. Those of you who have heard me speak on the topic of playing the inside game are probably confused about what I just said. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, let me say this. I do talk to some people about getting inside your own head and not hearing what others have to say which confuses a lot of people because then I'll say something like how I value people's opinions and judgments equally, um, but not really giving them a second thought at the same time. So why do I do this? Am I an asshole? Am I that full of myself? Not necessarily. I just value my own intuition, opinions, and judgments on myself um, and have enough self-awareness, really, to know that I've always done my own thing, regardless of what I've been told. I also very often go against the grain of what's thought to be the conventional wisdom. For example, you might have your boys who are all in agreement about a certain thing, and you're often the one to not agree with them. You might say you agree just to get things moving along because it's easier, 
that way as opposed to actually explaining yourself. Because even if you do explain yourself, you'll just be talking to a wall. This didn't make me a bad kid or anything, quite the opposite actually. Because of the amazing parenting by my mom, I grew to be so self-reliant that I didn't need anyone else's opinion other than my own. Back when I got kicked out of Ryerson, I was very lost because I thought school was everything. And it was at the time. I wasn't quite sure of my path. I didn't know if being an entrepreneur was my thing or if you know, working for someone was more for me. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure that out, which truthfully probably gives me the answer to that question. I think if you really have to think about it, then you already know that you're not suited to be an entrepreneur. I think if I had paid for university with my own money, that I'd be more okay with what had happened. You know, me getting kicked out of Ryerson. Knowing that I had wasted my mom's money really got to me and put me in a very insecure place. Because I was so insecure, I was more susceptible to other people's opinions, whether they were well-intended or not. And I'm not saying that listening to others is bad or doing something because someone else gave you the advice is bad. It's all about self-awareness. Do you know yourself? Do you know who you are? It doesn't matter if you have the best intentions. If you tell me to do something, the chances of me doing it are pretty low. Now, before we continue into how I got kicked out of university, I, I need to go into some financial failures of mine. It's important for me to mention this now rather than later because being put on TPW would send me into a downward spiral that uh, you just you can't begin to understand my downward spirals until you first understand failure and that self-loathing, self-loathing and failure coupled together were snowball effects that were in a direct relationship with each other. The more I failed, the more I hated myself. Racking up credit cards is something I've been historically good at. What those closest to me don't know is that I've always liked putting up this front that I was well off and that I did it all, my, all on my own. That was false pretty much up until September of 2018. The reality was that I do things that directly opposed my financial situation. Paying for friends' meals, going on trips, being in that awkward position of not being able to financially go out on a Friday night but not knowing how to say it out loud, and then going because I didn't speak up. On two occasions, my parents have had to pay off thousands of dollars I had racked up on my credit card. At one point, I had two credit cards, and that was just a nightmare because I would max one out and then go to the other and then slowly try and pay that one off. It's a really simple concept, but you know, it's easier said than done when you're in the spot that I was in. Um, you shouldn't have credit cards unless you have a steady enough income to immediately pay them off. The last time that my parents paid off my credit card was in July of last year, which was just before I left for my trip to Italy with my girlfriend and her father. 
Yep, that's right. My parents paid off my credit card, about $2,000 for me so that I could enjoy a graduation trip that they were paying for. It's insane, and I'm incredibly grateful for it and for them. So what causes the type of behavior that repeatedly racks up massive credit card debt? Stubbornness, ego, arrogance, insecurity, which was number one for me, but a number of things contributed, I think. Whether, you know, whatever I was into at the time, whether it was working out and I wanted to buy supplements or collecting Magic the Gathering cards, I didn't want a lack of finances to stop me. Now, the simple solution would be to just work more to support whatever lifestyle you want to live. But I didn't want to. I was happy working as a simple security guard and later construction worker. I was happy because it was mindless work. But the problem with mindless work, although it helps you forget, it helps you just to get through the mundane nine to five, over time as you master the mindless work, as you will quickly with all mindless work, your brain starts to kick back into gear and you start questioning what it is you're actually doing. Questions like, why aren't I happy? How can I find work that makes me feel important? How do I make as much money as my friends? How do I catch up? How do I really make it in this world? Pretty soon you just realize that that's not you. Maybe the reason why you're asking yourself those questions is because you don't actually care about that shit. Other people do. What you care about is how others see you, how others judge you, what other people say behind your back. You care about their opinions of you. The motive of anything should be because it makes you happy. But when you haven't taken the time to figure out what makes you happy because you're so caught up in the rat race of trying to be someone you're not, or you're faking it till you make it, you inevitably end up being someone who always feels lost or incomplete. The MoneyGram scam is something that no one close to me knows yet. Really, the only people who know this are my parents and my girlfriend. The same year I got reinstated back into my program, I began talking to my cousin Alex again. It was actually really weird. He called me up one day randomly, and he was like, hey, what's up? I'm bored at work. We ended up talking for a couple months until we drifted again. But in that time, we would talk about work and what we wanted to do in life. He held a respectable position in a construction company, and it immediately made me feel inferior. Mostly because I didn't know what my purpose was yet. I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was lost. I think the age thing really got to me, especially considering how I always viewed him more like a younger brother. 
One day I snapped and started scouring Kijiji, Indeed, and Craigslist for a job, but not just any job. I wanted to find a legit job. You know how stuck-up people say, oh, well, when are you going to get a real job? My friends, if you're more than happy to work at McDonald's and that's fulfilling to you and you don't wait until the weekend comes to enjoy yourself because you just enjoy working at McDonald's so much, the next person who says that to you, who asks you, when are you going to get a real job? Please, for me, tell them to go fuck themselves. Because I'll tell you one thing. Happiness isn't becoming a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. Happiness is whatever makes you happy, very simply. Become a doctor on your terms, not because it's a real job or because somebody told you to do it. Do it for you. Do it for your happiness. Anyways, I eventually came across a job posting with the title Operations Manager, which was great because that's the title that Alex held. I applied and uh, no shit, I got in. They had me set up an account and, you know, with e-transfer capabilities. And before you know it, I was making 1500 deposit, $1,500 withdrawals only to moneygram them back to another account which they provided me. Little did I know that I was basically harboring the money belonging to those who've been victims of this fraud and helping these criminals turn a profit. Luckily, I only participated in one transaction till I snapped out of my hopeful days with the help of my parents. Desperation and the need to prove something to someone can be very dangerous. My parents helped me snap out of it, and on that same day that I completed that first transaction, I went to TD and explained the situation to them. Shortly after our meeting, e-transferring was disabled on my account, so friends, if you've ever wondered why I can't e-transfer, that's why. It's extremely difficult to reverse the process because TD will give you an incredibly hard time when they know the reason for the disablement is because you got caught up in some kind of scheme. And this is the example I like to use with my mentees when I discuss the problem with rushing to prove something to someone. I'm not the only one out there who has tried to cheat the system. Lots of people want to hit the lottery and not put in the work. These situations I'd find myself in they left me feeling very embarrassed. It was awkward having to answer to my friends when I told them I couldn't go out on a Friday or a Saturday, even just for dinner. There's one more incident that took place just about a month ago with my PayPal account. And the reason why I chose to save this for the last one on my financial failures is because I reacted very differently than I did to the other ones. I wasn't embarrassed by it. I was actually strangely happy about it. Even though I felt differently about it, only my parents, my girlfriend's parents, and my girlfriend have known about this until now. About a month ago, I woke up to an email from PayPal about a withdrawal request for an amount of $500. Immediately, I sprung into action and began investigating. There was a brief moment of, what the fuck? But that quickly subsided as I composed myself to continue investigating. 
I submitted a ticket to PayPal through their online support about an unauthorized transaction request. Then what I did was I called both PayPal and TD simultaneously to maximize efficiency due to wait times and being put on hold. What I didn't realize about the PayPal number I dialed was the number I looked up was the number for outside of North America, and hence I was actually charged an $11 long distance fee. What I realized later was that I had just clicked on the link. If I had actually clicked through to the website, it would have taken me to the North American line, but because I was in a bit of a flurry, I called the first number I saw when I hit enter on Google. The kind woman who worked for PayPal explained to me that someone from Indonesia had hacked into my PayPal account and had attempted to make a $500 gain off of me. After verifying that my bank info was safe due to PayPal's encryption and that the $500 would be refunded if deemed that it was indeed fraudulent, I got on the phone with TD. TD explained to me that there was nothing they could really do on their end. Even when I incurred a $48 NSF fee, they were unable to refund me that money. All in all, I was down $59 and the day had only just begun at about 11 a.m. But I couldn't help but laugh at the situation and feel bad for that person in Indonesia. Who am I to judge that person? I don't know their situation. Maybe they're just trying to get their family out of poverty and they need to, you know, make a quick buck from some wealthy Westerner. I really don't know. I finally know why. I would always find myself in these dire financial situations. It's because I needed escapism from the fact that I was in school. I hated being in school. And with those major failures out of the way, let's get back to being kicked out of school. Where do you go from here? With nothing better to do than work and exercise, I got hired by a security company and started weightlifting. Investing nearly all my time into those two things helped me forget about what had happened. Forgetting about your problems and pretending like everything is peachy is something that I'm plagued by, and I know many of you are too. It's a human thing to do, but as someone who is big into personal development, I'm working on it. Somewhere along the line, it became impractical to sit down with someone to talk about how you felt. Men are the worst at it. I'm a prime example, though I'm trying my best here, even though every bone in my body is telling me to stop this recording. Working for one year was easy enough, especially working as a security guard, where I was pretty much left to my own devices. This is really the work environment that I thrive in. And I wouldn't know this till a little over a year later when I began working for a fitness company. Basically, if you leave me alone with projects or to build up a department or to manage a department, I can really do some amazing work. However, as we'll see with the security gig, that really wasn't how it played out as much as I wanted it to. I worked in a condo of about 40 units, so I rarely had to leave the post. It was great at first with any job. The start is always 
when you're at your best. You show up on time, you're attentive, and you care. Eventually, the realization that you're at a shitty job that you hate creeps in. I didn't begin to enjoy my time there until I realized how amazing and useful it was to have 12 hours of quiet workspace that you got paid to be at. This was on a weekly basis too. I used that time to get schoolwork done and projects done for other jobs. I would also hold phone meetings for sometimes up to two hours for those jobs. I very much treated that post like it was my own personal space. Other things I would do there is, you know, play music, pull up my laptop, play games on my phone, order pizza, and on and on and on. But sooner or later, my insecurities began taking over, and I started lying again. The idea that all I had was work, and that work was nothing to brag about, really, was getting to me. I didn't yet realize the full value of working for free, which is what I did at what was then a small fitness company. So talking about that was out of the question except to my girlfriend and some in my inner circle. The fact that falling behind a year was getting to me as well. The fact that everybody kept asking me how I was doing or what I was up to got to me. I had to do something to measure up to other people's expectations of me. I had to be someone who fit the opinions and judgments of me as a person by other people. I couldn't stand the job I was working at, so I made it much more interesting for myself. So what did I do? I conjured a fake reality that I had convinced the president of the security company I worked for to promote me to a managerial operational role within the company that never existed before. I pretended like I had created the role out of my own will and wit. I lied to some of my friends that my ability to sweet-talk the president was so great and I was needed so much that they needed to create this very high, special-paying job for me. I couldn't admit to myself that I was just a security guard. I'm a huge believer in moments in time. You know what I'm talking about. When you and your friends are all downtown having drinks... And you have that moment where, you know, it's almost like an out-of-body experience where you kind of just are observing and you think to yourself, wow, we've, I've really come so far with these guys and I'm so lucky to have them all in my life. Those moments where you listen to a super motivational speech and you feel really fired up to go out and crush it. There's that moment where your buddies are hyping you up to go kiss that guy or girl you've been dreaming of. Moments like these make history. They make or break us. My big moment came to me during a night shift at my security job. I was sitting there probably staring off into nothingness, and I just said to myself out loud but very casually, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And that's when it hit me, like a lightning bolt and a surge of purpose that came rushing into me. The next sentence that came out of my mouth was, I need school. I need to finish this program and get my business degree. 
I knew that the one-year mark was coming to a close, and I began hyping myself for essentially the fight of my life. Being reinstated back into the business management program came with a catch, though. I had to pass the Fresh Start program. Now, this program was entirely centered around self-improvement, but was just totally wasted on me. The reason why it was wasted on me was because by this point, I was more eager than ever to be in school. Something had awakened inside of me and it drove me to do things I didn't think I was capable of before. Like putting in six hours of work a day on a single simulation course after getting home from a day in school. Eating and drinking weren't a concern for me because that was really wasting my time. My body adapted to being a work machine and required very little fuel in order for me to work longer, of course. My body adapted and I lost a lot of weight during this time. I sat at about 175 pounds. Normally, I sit at around 190 to 200 But those of you who are into self-improvement and self-help and all that jazz, as twisted as I believe the industry to be with, you know, it's big names and high costs of entry, if we narrow it down to the individual who needs help, you need to be ready to improve yourself. You need to be open to being helped. You need to be, you know, you need to open yourself up like a book to examine the torn pages and remember why and how they became so beaten and battered. And I didn't do that. The reason why I excelled in this pass or fail course, which was basically the gateway to me being reinstated, was because I had an end goal in mind and was driven to see it through. I needed my BCOM and knew that the Fresh Start program was something I needed to get past to be doing it, to reach that end goal. It was the same mentality I had pre-TPW, except this time I actually wanted to be doing it. But there was something else driving me, and those close to me would often hear me say it every now and again. I'd make a comment about how I had basically thrown my mother's savings down the drain and needed to repent for that. The other thing driving me, which was equally destructive, was that I was upset and mad with myself that I had fallen two years behind schedule. I think the best way to summarize my time in the Fresh Start program is to read verbatim my speaker notes from my final presentation. This presentation was the ultimate factor in deciding if I was going to be reinstated or not. So here goes. I'm a business management student majoring in global management. And I've got two years left in my program. Now, you might be asking yourselves, he looks kind of old. Why does he still have two years in an undergraduate program? And the answer to that is simple and quite unfortunate. For two years of my four-year program, I hated being in business management. The only reason why I even applied to the program in the first place was I did exceptionally well at business in high school, and my parents pushed me in that direction because, quote, that's where all the money is, unquote. So, fast forward two years later, and I'm in my second year of university. I hadn't realized it yet, but the reason why my grades were dropping so much was because 
I genuinely didn't like what I was being told to learn. Fast forward another two years and two, three probation periods later, and here I am in TPW status. Now, I apologize if that was an intense start, but I wanted all of you to understand where I was coming from so that this talk makes more sense when it's done. Now that introductions are out of the way, this talk is going to consist of four artifacts that symbolize my academic journey and experiences, and my experiences with the three Campus Link activities I participated in over the past month. Now, folks listening, I'm talking to listeners of Own the Truth right now. The artifacts were basically part of the assignment. They were meant to sig signify the weeks. So each week had a theme, and you had to choose four of them. Four that really impacted you, and why. And the three Campus Link activities were basically, you know, you got to choose, I think, from 12 options. Um, one was, you know, join a, join a club at school, um, go to like a pub night or whatever. So let's get into what I chose. The first artifact I would like to talk about is week one's introduction and overview. This week was the most important week for me and arguably every fresh start student. Unless you knew someone who took this course and could give you details, you were basically walking into this course blindfolded. What week one did for me was remove the blindfold and revealed how the rest of this month would play out. Initially, I thought this course would be all lectures and, you know, how to stay true to yourself. And if only you would just believe, then everything would be fine and dandy. To my relief, I was mistaken. During the last class, I remember telling my instructor, Casey, that Fresh Start should be lecture-based to get a more personal connection with the instructor and your classmates. However, after a week or so, I found myself changing my mind on that. I realized that what made each week so effective for me was that I was alone watching the video or reading this article every week. I was going to do my, you know, my, my post on the, on the online message board. I, I was more receptive to the themes and ideas of each week, all of which were quite personal. Like, how do you manage your time? Uh, what, what are things you regret? And because I didn't have strangers surrounding me, it was easier. Think about it. We're back to week one, but we're all sitting in a classroom and Casey asks us, what's your purpose in higher education? And suddenly everyone freezes and refuses to raise their hand maybe because they're afraid to answer incorrectly or whatever the case may be. However, over time, this would become easier assuming people talk to each other and get to know one another. Now imagine we're still in week one, but the modules are online like they have been. You're sitting there reading or watching whatever you're going to write your message board post on, and suddenly you head over to, to the message board and you see what other people are saying. To your surprise, you find people are struggling the same way you are. And now you've got 20 people that you can relate to, all because of internet. I wouldn't say anonymity, but there is, there is a power. For some reason, people are 
they are much more willing to be open um, in a school setting once they get behind a keyboard. It's a weird thing, but it's something that I noticed um, during school when I would take online courses. Now, I talked about my first artifact, and uh, now let's talk about the second. This was week two, and it asked you to prepare for personal action planning. And I chose this as my second artifact because it made me realize that my attitude toward my program was so negative that it was aiding in the causes of my academic downfall. Because I didn't enjoy what I was learning, I didn't study. Not studying made it so that I did poorly on material that I was being tested on. Each time I would get back a market assignment or test and it would show me failing or doing slightly better, but it would put me in a dark place. In this dark place, I would tell myself things such as, you're not smart enough to be here, you're wasting your time, what will your parents think of you? How do you expect people to respect you when you can't even graduate? And the list of questions go on. Since starting my summer semester of 2016, my attitude has taken a turn for the best. I just handed in an essay proposal that I think I did exceptionally on, and I'm looking forward to writing the full essay. I'm on top of all my homework and I show up to class prepared in order to do this, my social life has taken a huge dip, but I feel a lot better about myself. And now let's move on to the third artifact, self-management and help-seeking. I chose this as my third artifact because changing my attitude did not happen overnight. I had to seek help in the form of those closest to me. I'm usually an introverted person, so opening up to people is not something I'm fond of. However, hearing my friends' and family's responses completely blew me away. Whoever you need to talk to, talk to them. Even if you're not sure who you should talk to, just tell somebody. Now that I've talked about the third artifact, let's talk about my fourth, academic skills. Now I chose this as my fourth artifact because during my journey towards TPW, I always used the excuse of, you know, maybe I, I just wasn't smart enough for university and that I'm not cut out for it. I never believed that a person's marks reflected their intelligence at all. To some degree, yes, but there are too many other factors which can affect a person's grade to count them as absolute. However, after two years of falling behind, I really began thinking differently. It's easy to have these elitist views on grades while maintaining a 3.0 plus, but when you're just barely getting by, hoping that you don't get put into another probation period, because if you do, it means getting permanently kicked out, your grades are everything to you. And this is my current attitude of 2016. I'm now in my first semester back since getting put on TPW, and I'm more determined than ever to earn my A's. So with those four artifacts out of the way, I want to talk about my experiences through my chosen campus link activities. These include joining the Ryerson's Philosophy Club, 
meeting with a tutor, and meeting with my student achievement advisor. Before I continue, I want to explain my reasoning for not making an appointment to meet with Casey. For listeners of Own the Truth, my instructor Casey did give us the option to swing by his office and um, just have us talk to him about our, our plans. And uh, we'll see why I didn't, why I chose not to do that, because that that seems like an easy way out. That seems like an easy check of a box, right? Unfortunately, I've been at Ryerson for four years, still two to go, and I can't say confidently that I've made any connections here, or made the effort to. To me, Ryerson doesn't feel like a community, but more of a place that I have to go. You're what they call a PCP student, parking lot, classroom, parking lot. With the Fresh Start program, I wanted to change my perspective on school. And hopefully by feeling more like I was part of it, I would be able to excel. My first Campus Link activity was making the decision to join Ryerson's Philosophy Club. Back in high school, when I applied for business management based on my grades in business, I also did exceptionally well in philosophy. In fact, I was top of my class from start to finish, ending the year with a 99. Since taking the business management program, I feel like I lost my way. I connected so well with philosophy, but I felt that with business, it was just forced upon me. No connection was made other than the fact that I would make lots of money and, you know, from pursuing a business-related career. So when I was thinking about which Campus Link activities I wanted to participate in, joining the Philosophy Club seemed like a great opportunity to fill that void. The activity of this club revolves heavily around two things. Free meetups where a guest speaker will give a talk on a quote or book they published and Facebook posts. Unfortunately, the meetups don't run during the spring-summer semesters. However, since being accepted into the club, I've had the chance to talk to a few members who still attend the university. The second Campus Link activity I participated in was meeting with a tutor. I chose this Campus Link activity because in the business management program, we're required to take a few math-based courses here and there, mainly statistics, finance, and accounting. Those are pretty much the basics. Anything higher level than that depends on which major you're in. For example, I major in global management studies and I'm required to take international finance. That is a course that no other major has to take. They can if they want, but they don't have to. Now, I never consulted a tutor for stats or accounting and I just barely passed those courses. Literally, I got handed the Scantron and was done in about five minutes because my answers looked like B, C, D, A, B, C, D, E, F, F. Well, you can choose F, but B, 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 A, C, D, E, 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 A, B, C. I could live with that. I could live with the fact that I never, you know, um, really understood the material because I was moving on with my program and that's all I wanted during my first and second year. Finance was just a different beast altogether. 
I failed finance 300, which is the foundational course two times before I decided it was time to see a math tutor. A little late to the show. Yes. But you know, the effort was made. I had assumptions about the tutoring session and uh, was sadly mistaken. This is how I thought the tutoring session would go down. Obviously, I've never been before. He or she would sit down with me. I would point out a chapter and they would help me with some problems. Instead, what I got was 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds of a breakdown of a particular chapter. I remember sitting there, my God, thinking to myself, he's just going way too fast for me. How do I even... First of all, how do I keep up with this? I can't. So how do I stop it? Oh, I can't. (laughs) This tutor was explaining the entire chapter page by page at a rate that was putting me to sleep because I no longer could focus on what was being said. Eventually, he reached the end of the chapter. He asked if I got it, and I said, yes, thank you for your help, and I hurried on out of there. After speaking with the person who helped me book my tutor session, I learned that the group sessions would have been better suited to my expectations. So the third Campus Link activity, I met with my student achievement advisor, Stephanie Kimball. As I stated near the beginning of this presentation, Casey, I chose not to meet with you, so I mean no hard feelings for meeting with Stephanie instead. Throughout my Fresh Start experience, I've been mailing back and forth with Stephanie regarding my course schedule for the upcoming semesters and how Fresh Start has been treating me. I figured that I would give her a recap in person because before I was even accepted into the Fresh Start program, I was really stuck in this academic limbo. She was very comforting and supportive, so I felt like I needed to go back to her and let her know that I was doing okay and that she helped me tremendously. Anything Fresh Start related was mainly me explaining to Stephanie how it wasn't at all what I expected and how I would recommend to anyone who just found out they're in TPW status. Now, to end this retelling of a presentation, I left my audience, who was basically just my instructor and his TA, with this quote. Success is not the result of spontaneous combustion. You must set yourself on fire. This is a quote that I found during our last class, and it has helped me find, you know, it's helped me when I find myself lost during the day. It reminds me of how I used to sit passively while my academic career was in a rapid decline and failed to act until I was in TPW status. Now, I'm more motivated than ever to set myself on fire. And that was the whole presentation, listeners of Own the Truth. The reason why this segment is so important is because it was crucial for me to not take in the course material openly and seriously. It was crucial for me to go through the pain I'd later go through mentally and emotionally after finishing my final semester in December of 2018. Now, before we close things off here, there was originally supposed to be another segment talking about depression, but because this is basically where it all leads to. I got really depressed during my job hunt, and then 
and then I eventually found the place I'm working at now. But from January to about March, I really, I really questioned my self-worth. I had experienced this, you know, what, if you want to call it depression, it's just, I don't know what other word to use um, when I'm describing how I felt. So, and I realized that it was actually stopping me from standing up here right now and recording this final part of my origin story because it's not very easy for me to talk about. And I feel like it would be much better suited for me to bring on a guest with a lot of experience with depression so that we could actually talk it out. So that will be for the near future. Stay tuned for that one. It's been a long time coming, but this is where my origin story ends. If you've been listening since the beginning, the welcome episode of this podcast is a really good to start after listening to this. That's pretty much where the journey picks up, you know, minus the couple months of, uh, of depression, which we will cover eventually. Everybody, if you've joined me, if you've listened up to part six on this crazy ride, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for even paying attention to this. I'll see you in the next one.